Welcome to At The Table. Hi everyone, welcome back to episode 8 At The Table. Today we are going to be looking at parables again. And this week we're going to be looking at three parables collectively put together as the losts. Um, the three oh. lost parables. That's hard to say. It's a yeah, good job you haven't got a lisp, like lost. Lost. <laughs> it's like crisps. Yeah. yeah. And, when, and once you've said crisps, all you think of is the... <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Crisps. Crisps. Thanks, boys. That's a bit Sorry. Um, ASMR. <laughs> yeah. With me today, as usual, no surprise guests, we have Lucy. Hiya. Joe. Good day to you. Oh, John. Hello. And I'm Beth. And Hi Beth. Hi. <laughs> Hello there. And if you like to read your Bibles along with us when we look at the and the stories. Yes. Today's <laughs> <laughs> Today's um stories come from Luke fifteen. So we're in the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke, and it's all of chapter fifteen. So um we're starting with the parable of the lost sheep. Should we talk about what we remember of the lost sheep? What do you remember from Sunday school about the lost sheep? Probably like sticking some cotton wool on some green paper. Yeah, that's literally what I was just going to say. It's like the classic. (laughs) In terms of the actual story, though, um, yeah, I'm not sure. I think a sheep gets lost and that's literally like... Yeah, standard. (laughs) The extent of it. (laughs) John? I just remember the 99 sheep and then the one sheep that was lost. I remember that bit, but yeah. I don't really remember how it was told. I remember like what Lucy said about the cotton wool thing, because I hate cotton wool. He does, it's one this, of his phobias. I have a real thing. I don't know about you, that crunchiness of cotton wool. It's just something about it. Yeah, I don't, I don't too, really don't like it when it's between your fingers. Oh, and it makes that crunch. It Similar gives me goosebumps. polystyrene, actually. Yeah. But then you don't really like fingers touching either no, so I you're a bit mental I don't like touching my fingers together that makes me feel a bit gross well like yeah. doing that like tip yeah fingertips yeah. together okay. I don't like that weird right I get it I mean like this cotton wool like Beth's like you're gonna have to get used to it if we have a kid so I was like well no I'm not just get a bit of tissue <laughs> <laughs> toilet roll <laughs> we've got used toilet roll why does baby get cotton wool on its butt it's not fair because it's soft and sensitive on their little baby skin just get some Andrex not an ad no. But I just can't stand it. But yeah, so I remember that bit because I never used to like doing it. But you always used to send it down like a little card to your mum, didn't you, after Sunday school? Like, look what I've done for you, mum. And it'd be like this really <laughs> shoddy card that then sits on the um, like the fridge. Your mum like still week. has all of them. I know, it's a bit weird. She's like kept them like a shrine. No, not mine though. My brother's. Yeah. I feel like so, there's also... Yeah, how would you know the difference, John? Because mine... <laughs> were masterpieces. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there was also a play as well. We probably a play. Yeah, there's probably really short plays. Yeah, eight, <laughs> eight verse play. No, what? about like a, like a little no, not a play, like a little skit that we must have done or something. I just feel like there's got to be one about that. It just feels like something that people would turn in something into. But Maybe. yeah, yeah. Anyway, so shall I read then? Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, so Luke 15, I'm reading verses 1 to, to 7. By this time, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus, listening intently. The Pharisees and religious 
scholars were not pleased, not at all pleased. They growled, he takes in sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. Their grumbling triggered this story. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and lost one. Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found it? When found, you can be sure you would put it across your shoulders, rejoicing. And when you got home, call in your friends and neighbours saying, celebrate with me. I've found my lost sheep. Count on it. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than over 99 good people in no need of rescue. End of message. Thank you, John. You're welcome. So, that's the lost sheep. So the next one is the parable of the lost coin. Does anyone have any memories of that? No, I don't, actually. I don't remember this I've one. I've got... I remember, like... Do you remember that, like, card that you seem to only get in, like, primary schools and Sunday schools, and it's, like, one side white, normal card, and then the other side is, like, shiny gold or shiny silver? And I remember... Like, basically just cutting circles out of that and, like, drawing coin stuff on on it. And that was the, like, art piece for the Lost Coin story. No. Great. Nobody else did no. that. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, like dead silence. Like everyone's like, what? Tumbleweed. <laughs> no, don't, never did anything like that. No, that's not sticking out in my memory. I don't rem- honestly remember this one at all. I guess because it's just so small. But there's another one about coins, isn't there? About someone who buries a, a servant who buries a coin, yeah. maybe? There's that. Um, I feel and like then I there's, get them confused. There's the widow at the temple. Yeah. Um, oh, who gives her only coins. Yeah, yeah. so it's yeah. like this recurring theme. Mm. 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 Maybe a topic of discussion mm. a little bit later, maybe. Mm. <laughs> All right, sorry, John. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, conversation no. organiser. <laughs> Dictator. Fun sponge. <laughs> Is it on the agenda? Fun sponge. <laughs> Fun sponge. <laughs> the story of the lost coin is verses 8 to 10 in Luke 15, so it just follows on from the previous one. And we're in the message. Or imagine a woman who has ten coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and scour the house, looking in every nook and cranny until she finds it? And when she finds it, you can be sure she'll call her friends and neighbours. Celebrate with me. I found my lost coin. Count on it. That's the kind of party God's angels throw every time one lost soul turns to God. Nice. Thanks, Lucy. Very Thank nicely you. read, Lucy. Yeah, that's really good. That's Can I just say, isn't nook and cranny a great word? Words. Words. I love it. It's... Crook and nanny. Yeah. <laughs> I, nook and um, cranny. It does make me think of grandmas, actually. Yeah. yeah Got to get every little nook and cranny. <laughs> Joe. <laughs> Would you like to read the next one? <laughs> Beth, I would love it's to read the It's the parable the of the one. lost son. What do you remember? What does everyone remember about that? Lots. Well, what I had forgotten is how long it was. <laughs> yeah. And I said, oh, I'll read the last one. It's more than twice as long as the other two put together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got, the, we got the good ones, I think. I just remember <laughs> the, the image of the son. So two things. The son running back to the father at the end. And the image of the son eating with the pigs. That was always the two things that like were really like as a kid, you're like, Oh, he ate ate the pig food, like he was with the pigs. Yes. Like, I was gonna say the pig food. Mm. Slop. Ooh. But then great like word. as a child I didn't even know what pigs ate, so I don't know why I was so like offended by <laughs> yeah. it. Like, oh. It's just like vegetable peelings, isn't it? It's not that bad. 
Yeah, but even then, like, why am I getting so upset about it? I've never <laughs> yeah. fed a pig. I don't know what they eat. Oh, you're eating pig food. You're eating, like, carrots and parsnips and potatoes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they might eat chocolate for all I know. Exactly. Unless we go, oh. <laughs> yeah. uh, Only Cadbury's, please. <laughs> like... <laughs> I remember the son coming back and then the brother being annoyed. That's my main memory mm. of it. And I feel like that image meant that I never quite got on with the story mm. because I sympathised too much with the brother. Fair so, play, but fair we'll play. come to that. Mm. I think this is one of my favourites. I was going to say you love this, don't I you? I do like this. You I mean, I will say this. why. I will go into that a little bit later, but I do think this is one of my favourites. And I remember it a lot. Okay. As a kid. I think it's because it was the most relatable out of the three because it was like a person. So it was like, ah, oh, okay. a lost son and he returned. Get it. But then the other two, I was like, cool. I'm not a sheep, so I'm not a coin. So. I feel like I feel like I want to hear your thoughts in a bit because I think I probably feel the same. So this follows straight on again. So this is Luke 15. Um, And I'm reading from verse 11 to 32. Then he said, There was once a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, I want right now what's coming to me. So the father divided the property between them. It wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant country. There, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. After he had gone through all his money... There was a bad famine all through that country, and he began to hurt. He signed on with a citizen there, who assigned him to his fields to slop the pigs. He was so hungry, he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop, but no one would give him any. That brought him to his senses. He said, All those farmhands working for my father sit down to three meals a day, and here I am starving to death. I'm going back to my father. I'll say to him, Father... I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. He got right up and went home to his father. When he was still a long way off, his father saw him. His heart pounding, he ran out, embraced him and kissed him. The son started his speech. Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't listening. He was calling to the servants, Quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him. Put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then get a grain-fed heifer and roast it. We're going to feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead and now alive, given up for lost and now found. And they began to have a wonderful time. All this time, his older son was out in the field, When the day's work was done, he came in. As he approached the house, he heard the music and dancing. Calling over one of the houseboys, he asked what was going on. He told him, Your brother came home. Your father has ordered a feast. Barbecued beef! Because he has him home, safe and sound. The older brother stalked off in an angry sulk and refused to join in. His father came out and tried to talk to him, but he wouldn't listen. The son said, Look how many years I've stayed here serving you, never giving you one moment of grief. But have you ever thrown a party for me and my friends? Then this son of yours, who has thrown away your money on whores, shows up and you go all out with a feast. His father said, 
Son, you don't understand. You're with me all the time, and everything that is mine is yours. But this is a wonderful time, and we had to celebrate. This brother of yours was dead, and he's alive. He was lost, and he's found. Bammy wet. Well done, Joe. Good job. Um, first off, barbecue beef. Yes. I just couldn't hold it in. It was just the barbecue beef. <laughs> Why did that feel like product placement or something? Do you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Like, like crisps unnecessary or detail. It's like barbecue You've already beef. told us it was a cow. I don't know why you need to, like, <laughs> yeah. shout about shout it. About, oh, it's a slow-roasted 28-day age. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> It's like there was an Ainsley Harriet recipe, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mine doesn't even say that because mine's not the message. Mine just says says about the fattened cow. So, the losts. Do you feel like your opinion of them has changed? Well, I do think it's a bit of like they're all pretty much the same story, aren't they? Like they're all. It's almost like I've got I've got a story for you, and then there's like. Got another story for you, but it's like you just using the same <laughs> mm. thing. It's like when people do films of the same thing. It's where, well, what's the point? It's a different take on it, but it's always the same story. Mm. It's just very strange. It's like out of ideas, but strangely, the most embellished one is the last one. Mm. You'd think you'd spend all your time on the uh, on the first one and then rush out the other two, but <laughs> absolutely saving the best till last, I guess. I think it's. I mean, it's it starts off, doesn't it, with Jesus. I think if we look at um, first one, it says, "Now the tax collectors and sinners were gathering round to hear Jesus and the Pharisee, but the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners to eat with them.'" And it starts with opposition to who Jesus is. You know, he's not to the religious leaders, the Pharisees. He's not he's not abiding by the law. Because in their eyes, he's eating with the unpure and those types of people. So he's like, right, I'm going to tell them a parable. And I think, is it like, is he trying to emphasise... You know when you're trying to explain something to somebody and they don't get it and you expect, like, right, I'll explain it one way for this type of people. I'll explain it in a little bit more detail for these types of people. And then I'll explain it in this way for another person. Mm. Yeah, do you think that's what he's doing then? Because um, I feel like something I've never thought about before is the... The coin thing, mm. that's a very material thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and like elsewhere in the Bible, we're told not to kind of focus too much on the material things and the treasures and the money and all that. And then Jesus is actually using that to kind of illustrate a point. Mm. I thought that was quite interesting. I've never really thought about that before. Like, it is a very material thing to focus on. But like you say, he's also shown the same meaning with... Um, with animals and I guess to a farmer that's worth a lot an animal Mm. that's how they make their living Mm. Um, but he's also shown it through relationships in the third story so he's kind of come at it from three different ways Mm. Mm. yeah to try and get his point across to all different types of people there but Jesus talks about why he speaks in parables in Matthew 13 he says um, but to them it has not been given that one of the disciples asks him why do you speak to them in parables and he says um because you understand the mysteries of heaven but to them they don't Mm. so yeah he's saying you know you've got your tax collectors so they'll focus on your money you've got your religious leaders they might be focusing on the law then you might have other people who are following along to them their relationships might be the most important thing so he's like right 
you know, to those who don't understand, he tries to connect the dots. So he does that by understanding he's going to explain it in every way possible to every person. Yeah, I think, uh, like you say, it's he's, he's using what everyday things that people treasure and not, you know, like... And like back in the day, a sheep would have cost a lot of money. So the fact of someone losing one, he's kind of going, well, wouldn't you wouldn't you leave the 99 that are safe and go and find the one that you have lost? Because he knows that people would, would have value with, with owning stuff like that. And also like the coin to some people, because by sounds of things, you know, the, the crowds he would have pulled are like, like church. It would be a very unique mixture of people you would have the rich you'd have poor you'd have you know so i think it's i find that really interesting mm-hmm. um i think like the value i get from from it is this whole thing about like celebrate with me because he's found the thing that it's almost like there's so much value in the thing that's lost i was gonna say so the context of the coin isn't of the woman isn't really given in scripture but it's understood theologically that she wouldn't have been of incredible wealth and the fact that she had cash would have been extremely rare and so every coin would have been valuable um mm. they equivalent it to say for example we had a thousand pounds and she lost a hundred that's how they could try and they like give an equivalent of it it was a significant loss to her and it wasn't she, that coin was of so much value that it you know how if you say oh I'm rich it doesn't matter if you know I'm fine it doesn't matter if I've lost that bit of money because I'm Mm. well off but for this person every penny counted and that coin was so valuable that's how Christ feels about us you know Mm. he's not like oh well I've got it's the same with the sheep I've got 99 I don't need to worry about that one person over there for him it's it's that every the last one counts Mm. And that really, for the for the lost sheep and the lost coin, that's what really stands out to me, that it doesn't matter what you, for God, it's, you know, what's already there. He he loves those people and, that, and that's what the lost son is about. It's not that he doesn't care about the 99 or the son that stayed, but that he still cares about that one. Mm. He won't, there will never be complete happiness and whatever until all are saved. Mm. And the joy that when another one is saved is measurable like when that woman rejoices and she tells all her neighbors and she's like i found my coin and they're happy for her because they understand the value that's what heaven's like when another lost soul that's what i believe anyway heaven is like i do get that for the sheep and the coin stories but i struggle with it for the brother story because the other person that's not being celebrated in that story is a person with feelings Mm. the sheep and the coins the ones that are like safe and left behind almost they don't have feelings but then when it gets to this story with the brothers I just I empathise really heavily with the brother because I know it's a metaphor the story it's not saying that it's not saying that's how it actually is but if you're if so who is the brother is that the people that are already saved so have they already had a party about them or are they the people that had like a more gradual faith a more gradual growth in faith and so they didn't have like a, a lost time as such they just like grew up as Christians and are just you know are saved in that more like gradual way so I'm thinking why 
did they get a celebration at all are they celebrated or do you know what I mean mm-hmm. I, yeah that's what I struggle with because I'm like obviously he'd be annoyed because you need to celebrate that he's been there the whole time what why is that less celebratory I think why is that worth less than somebody who's gone and come back I, that's what I can't get my head around I think that's why I like the story so much because very relatable with that brother mm. Is that kind of what you were thinking, John? What you hinted at earlier? Yeah, like the whole, the whole story itself. Yeah, I think going to what you were saying, Lucy. I think, I, if I look at it as like a church congregation, so you know we believe that we are all so you know people that believe in Jesus are saved, um, and there would be that celebration for each one of us when we we get it. But obviously if you've been a Christian for 30, 40 years, say, and then you've got this young kid that was once an alcohol, as the Bible says, buying whores, and then then they're in this, and then they're in church, and then everybody's almost falling over backwards for them, they're going to be a little bit put out. I, I get that. Um, but I think, like, what the story is showing, that um, almost like saying you don't understand, like, we've, ha- we've celebrated you being here, he would have had his own celebration because he he gets fed three meals a day. He will be in the presence of the father every day. And the other son that left, the younger son, didn't realise what he had until he left because it says, like, oh, I should have stayed there because I would have got three meals a day. I should I would have got that. And I think it's just a realisation and a, almost like you get comfortable with what you have. Does that make more sense? Yeah. Um, I think I get that, but then the brother that stayed, should he not have been celebrated for choosing to stay? Because what you're celebrating is the prodigal son's choice to come back. So why are you not celebrating the other brother's choice to stay? Do you see what I mean? Mm. You're not celebrating the person, you're celebrating the action. So this other brother has already done that action in choosing not to leave. I think, though, that we're very focused on what each of the brothers feels and actually the story should really be all about what the father feels Mm. we're focused on what does brother one lose when he goes out and spends all the money and what does the second brother feel like um to not have that same party happen really it's all about how the father feels and he feels he obviously feels loss and pain when the first son goes off and a huge sense of relief when he comes back. Um, and I think what John says is true about um, he gets honoured every day because he's part of this loving family. Where the father has so much love and so much joy to be around him. But I think it also speaks of our motivation or the motivation of the two brothers. I completely get why the second brother feels... Um, feels like it's unfair that the first brother gets mm. this big party mm. and all of that. Um, I think that's why I like it. It feels very human and relatable. Mm. And I think we all identify with the emotions of, of feeling left out like that. But I guess it it's never about us. It's never about the brothers, really. It's about the father. Yeah. <clears throat> One of the things I have noted down, um, and I, I've written context in big... Because for me, when I look at it, when I've looked at this in the past, I've always thought about the context of this. Who is Jesus speaking to when he's saying this? And if I'm looking at it through 
the lens of the brother who stayed um i'm thinking okay so despite jesus was talking to a wide range of people this particular part in terms of the bit about the son who stayed was he was speaking this directly to the teachers of the law the religious teachers he was aiming at them and talking about the darkness within their lives and it was particularly about um the religious works and the verse that comes to me that i've written down connected to this is ephesians 2 verse 8 to 9 which is one of my favourite passages of scripture and it's a lot of people's favourite passages is, which is, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift from God, not by works so that no one can boast. Um, what Jesus was aiming at, he was almost saying to like to the religious leaders, you trust on work-based religion, you trust through the law, you are too focused on that, um, on your acts and things that you do um, rather than experiencing salvation through God's grace through faith that, through believing in Christ not saying well I've done this or mm. by doing x y and z by following your rules that I'm going to be saved what Jesus was saying here is that it isn't about acting the way of the brother that stays it isn't about going off and squandering and running back the purpose on both ends is grace and the father of them all represents grace. When mm. the son comes back to him and he, he embraces him, that is the grace that we're saved by. And it's, for me, it's almost like he thinks he's, the older brother thinks he's worthy of it. And that's like, you know, I don't want to sound a bit, I don't know how to say this. I don't want to come across snobby in this we're saying this but there will be people who think if I do this and I do that if I go to church and if I take part that's fine that's going to get me to heaven no that doesn't get you to heaven you have to be saved this is a this is where faith becomes really difficult and I know we've mentioned it in the past because we you know it's when we talk about so does somebody have to be saved to go to heaven so what if person x did really good deeds but never believed in god does that mean they're not going to heaven and this is where we have that conversation mm. it is about the salvation it's about grace it's about god saying works alone are not are not what pleases the father yes they do please him and we should be good people but it is grace and salvation in christ that is the central point in this story mm. and that's not an easy conversation because that then starts a whole, whole other well what about x y and z and I think like what we've discussed already, I think it's a metaphor. So I think, again, like we've done with a lot of verses, we can overlook, we can overthink certain things when like what Joe said, I think it was a couple of episodes ago where you said, Joe, like we need to focus more on the point of that message. So the point would be that we thought, you know, put it into context as, as myself, I, you know, say it was me, so I've run away I've run away from everything, the the family that loves me, I've abandoned everything to go and seek something that I thought I needed. Then realising that that's not what I needed, then come back and find the family, find love, find grace, like Beth said. That's what the, the crux of this story is, is it's about the lost. It's about, you know, f people that are walking blind, 
in through life when they could have the opportunity to to meet with their father again um but that can be both of them that yeah, can be can. the one who ran away and the one who stays just because you stay doesn't mean you're not blind no. is what i think is for me what i believe this story is saying that the good person in this story isn't the son who stayed as joe as you said rightly joe the the person that is the focus and is the only one who should be admired is the grace is the father because mm. he presents forgiveness he loves no matter what which is what god does god loves us if we do those things and god loves us if we go away and come back mm. so that that's kind of how i see the story okay i get that a bit more now maybe it's just not my story that i need to hear in order to understand mm. that if you see what mm. i mean yeah. to me it's too human and i think i think maybe it's the celebration that confuses it mm. yeah because it's not that the son that stayed has been forgotten because he's obviously been fed and loved and everything while he stayed there it's the fact that there's this massive celebration for the returner and i think that's what sticks in my mm. mind and that's what mm. confuses me so maybe this just isn't my interpretation of this message that i need to hear yeah. so I, it doesn't quite work for me yeah but I if think it works both, for other people that's fine. both sons have things to work on mm. don't yeah. they and i think actually probably the um the one who gets lost and comes back is actually the one who's probably further along in his journey of understanding because he has the moment of humility so even though at first he's triggered by um, material loss and not having enough to eat he goes beyond that and he humbles himself mm. and says I don't deserve this he I think he has a bit of a moment of realization and it's not just triggered by not having enough he goes beyond mm. that I think but I think what you said earlier a second ago Lucy was right in that perhaps this isn't I think what you said earlier Lucy actually this just isn't how you like this story just doesn't speak to you you know you just there is perhaps an element that is too connected to you um and that's okay like there are other ones I think it's the the overarching there are lots of things you can take away from the collection of the losts as an overall and we can talk about that in a minute but I think I try not to get too caught up on one person being right or wrong and I I've tried to think about it as I it's dangerous territory to fall into either category and so it's not like I think it totally interject but I think this is the point where there's three different stories of this because I think back in back in the day when he said the stories he would have had people like us that would relate to individual stories so I think you like yourself maybe you're one of the people that he spoke about the sheep or the the coin does that make sense yeah side note he didn't even eat the pig food. He just said he would have eaten the pig food. Yeah. But nobody gave him any. That's what it said, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. He would have eaten the corn out of the pig's food, but nobody would give him any. Mm. So what we were told, that he ate straight out of the trough, is wrong. Mm. And also, <laughs> can we just talk about how, like, the audacity to go and ask your living father. Imagine if we went to our, I went to my dad and said, I know you're still alive, but can I have my inheritance now? Like, that's just yeah. so... That's just <laughs> the audacity of that, like... It's like... What an awkward conversation. Yeah, um, Dad, uh, <laughs> I need it now. Why do you need it now? I'm not going to say why, because... Uh, <laughs> but, like... Also, imagine if he, he was like, oh, 
I wasn't actually going to put you in my will. It's all going to charity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh dear, that's awkward. He's probably a bit put out so anyway. To the donkey sanctuary because he wasn't getting as much because Jewish law meant oh, yeah. meant that the oldest son got right. two thirds and the other son got one third. The younger son always got less. So he's probably like, oh. I'm just going to take it now because I'm not getting as much anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. Is that um I think I've always related to this this story on my own personal journey, though. I think that's why I like this story so much. And there's one part that stands out for me, which is a little bit like a... You might think it's just me being thinking too much into it, but, like, the... So when the boy returns back and he's walking to, probably down this long, sandy track towards this this barn, this hut in the middle of nowhere... The father runs to him and I can just, you know, if you put it into the context of that day, the men didn't, well, no one ran. It was seen as you'd run if you were running away from something. You wouldn't run at all. I mean, you think they're wearing uh, basically dresses, wearing these long long thing so you'd have to pull up his, this kind of he, what he's wearing above his knees so he could run to his son which would have been religiously and socially unacceptable which would yeah so like almost like he humiliates himself by showing his legs in a way and pulling up his dress basically to run to his son and I think like something that I take from it is God this is what proof that God runs to us when we're in our moments of need God runs to us and meets us where we are and journeys with us. I think the image of what you were saying, John, about the father humbling himself and almost, you know, lifting lifting himself up. Lifting himself up. Lifting his dress up and doing something that was would have been a bit, would have been shocking is just exactly what Christ did to us. Humbled himself, came to earth, died for us. It's, It's that perfect thing you know it's the parallel foretelling of the, what christ is going to do and that's just another beautiful mm. message and we know that that happens in the other scripture passages we've looked at with the classics how it always reveals something of christ as well mm. in that beautiful way i like that the father doesn't have to go on his own kind of journey of missing the son and having a moment of realization mm. it's like whenever the son had chosen to go back the father was ready mm. like And I guess because Luke, the author, because he was the physician, he's like a people person, isn't he? You know, he kept, he's very compassionate about people. So the fact that he has this parable in his gospels makes sense because it's about the compassion, isn't it? It's all about, and so is the lost sheep one, you know, is not leaving one person behind. It's all about that. It, it reflects who he is as a, as a person as well. Mm -hmm. And that, that makes sense, doesn't it? That he would want to share that aspect because not all the the same parables are not all of the parables parables are in every gospel so it's the lost sheep is in matthew and luke and then the parable of the two sons yeah so the sheep and the lost sons are in two gospels and then it's the coin that's not in any others but as you guys said at the beginning there's lots of parables and stories about coins everywhere else they're just called slightly different things so matthew it's called the parable of two sons and then it's the parable of the lost son so they're obviously important ones. And then obviously Luke was like, actually, I'm going to throw in the coin one because that's good. But I think this also shows 
that these stories were relatable to different people. Mm-hmm. So I think it shows that, you know, like we've said before in previous episodes, that we would always describe things differently, even as us four, we would describe a day we spend together very differently. And I think it would be very, you know, if we listen to a sermon or a, a talk from someone, I would take in the different things to how Lucy would take things in. And it, I think it shows with the understanding of this story. I think it comes, I think it's very interesting that I look at the parable of the lost son as a very close story to me. But obviously for you, Lucy, it's a very different story, isn't it? And I think um, I think that just shows that these parables, even for the disciples that wrote these these books, they would have meant something different to them. So mm-hmm. much so that Matthew or whatever would probably gone, no, I don't actually see the point in that one. Chuck that one. Yeah, John doesn't mention any of them. Well, exactly. John probably thought, well, they're not relatable. Mm. Well, dear, it's just of... And I think, like, obviously the more you look at these stories, you realise that, you know... Even in the stories about coins and stuff, you do see what Jesus is is basically saying. You're, you you do see it, you know, but you just relate to it very differently. Mm. So like, I look at the coin one, I'm just like, okay. But actually, if I look at it more intently, I go, well, okay, he's saying about won't she light a lamp? Like he's saying that she would burn oil to light a lamp for this or burn burn a candle which would have been money you know it's all that kind of thing to find this lost coin mm. so yeah it's all relatable so john's favorite is obviously or john's one's connected to the most is obviously the lost son yeah. lost son joe would you say that's the one you connect to the most yeah i think so but i was just thinking then like i think lucy has a real heart for fairness and justice mm. and mm. treating people the same and maybe that's why she gets a bit stuck on that particular point yeah. that we were talking about. Definitely. Um, yeah. What about you, you Beth? Which one do you I think the coin. identify the most with? Oh. Yeah? And Lucy? Uh, for me, it's the sheep. So mm. it just, I like that it one because of the ratios. <laughs> he's, got, yeah. he's got 99 sheep and yeah. he loses one and he still cares that much. Mm. I mean, part of me is thinking, I hope he has a good... Uh, deputy to look after the 99 <laughs> um, but I like I like that it's that kind of percentage because in the son story it's half of his sons we mm. think the coins it's 10% of his coins but the sheep one it's 1% of his sheep and he's still like no it still matters mm. yeah I get that I think that might be part of it I also noticed that in all the stories something or someone gets lost but if we if we take the meaning of these stories at least in part to be that people need to have a relationship with Jesus not everyone has that starting point of of being not lost to begin with Mm. well that's part Mm. of what I was saying earlier that the the son that stays at home He's never been lost, so he can never be found. He's just been a constant. So yeah. at what point would you celebrate his faithfulness? When, when do you celebrate it? That's exactly what I was saying. The Maybe later on there is a big party and it's not in the story. Maybe. Because they're all fictional anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. There's a lot to ponder on these verses, I think. I mean, there's a lot you can get from each story that... You can ponder. Like, I've never really thought about... <laughs> sounds really selfish of me. I've never really thought about the other brother because I've always looked at the story of the lost son 
which is obviously the crux of the story, but I haven't really thought of the brother. And I think there's a lot to ponder on each of it, really. Yeah, but that's just because that's how you see it, whereas theologically, most of the time, the, the passage is explored through the one that stays. Mm. But it's just how you connect to it. It's like I connect to the the coin. Mm. I can't really give you a reason, particularly. I think I like, I understand, I think it's the value, you know, when I lose things, I feel physically sick and I think I relate to her. Like, you know, it doesn't matter if, you know, even if I lost something that I had one of, I'd still be like, oh my gosh, that's so frustrating. Like, that was important. And to think that that's how Christ feels about us, you know, if he lost when people perhaps had a faith and then they lose it, how devastated he feels and how mm. he, the celebration of when that's that person comes back is incredible in that aspect. Um, but yeah, there's 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 something for everyone, and it'd be really interesting to know as listeners. Like, let us know which one of yeah. the losts you really connect to. You know, share with us. Do you connect with the lost son? And if so, which which brother or son do you connect mm. with? About do you like the sheep or do you like the coin? You know, we'd love to know, and we'll do a poll perhaps on mm. our um, socials and just connect to find out which one you guys like the most. Mm. I feel like the stories have parallels with some current movements like Black Lives Matter. So in that instance, the need for um, a movement such as BLM is the fact that, if you put it in terms of the sheep, some of the sheep have got lost, Mm. as in there are a minority of people, a 1% of people who are not with everyone else. They're not treated the same as everyone else. And what the story of the sheep tells us is that we need to go and get that one person. Mm. And it does mean leaving the 99 where they are because the 99 are safe and they're, they're fine and they're happy. So we have to go and get that one per, 1% that's on their own. So I think that's exactly the point of the Black Lives Matter movement mm. is that, yeah, the white people don't have a white movement because historically they've not had problems, mm. they've not faced racism and everything else. But the 1% of minorities have faced that and that's why they need this special treatment, if you want to call it that. They need that just to be brought back to the rest of the group. They're not being elevated. They're not being, Mm. you know, they're not having a party. They're just being brought back to the rest of the group. And I think think that's why some people have a problem with it. It's because they see themselves as the 99 and they think, oh, well, no one's come to look for me. Well, that's because they've not been missing, have they? Mm. They've gone to look for that 1% because they have been missing from the group. So, I don't know, that point just resonated yeah. with me and I just thought... It's a really good it's parallel. a good example of why we as Christians need to be supporting things like Black Lives Matter. Mm. Mm. And, yeah. Yeah. That's that's a, a, it's a really good parallel. Yeah, that's such a, like a beautiful way, like that you, how you speak prophetically into these things and how you speak into, like, our group and how you see things. And I think... That's why perhaps, the, you know, the loss represents to you because you and your heart, you see the unjust and with that resolution, you've connected those two and I really mm. love that. Yeah, I love that a lot. Um, I don't know, I think, like, the, there is so much we can say about all of these and, like, the notes that I made for this and I collected all the things that I had are just endless and we could go on forever talking about these and that's, I think, the beauty of these stories is that we could do the same thing next year and we could still have enough to talk about because there's just so much to them. But mm. 
the the three parables in Luke chapter 15 primarily think about the restoration of lost relationships. They all focus on something being lost and then ultimately God seeking out that lost thing. So thinking about us as human beings, we're sought out by God because he wants to bring us back into a loving relationship with him. Um, And we all need to realise that perhaps we need to be found. And so we can be part, we can be that coin that's swept under quickly. We could be the sheep that's wandered a little bit. We could be the son that goes off and gallivants, you know, and does what he does. Or we can be the son that stays. Either way, we can still be lost and we still need to be found by Christ. Mm. And God desires for us to be with him. So like the father, God wants us to be with him. God wants us to be part of the 99. And God sees us as valuable, like the coins, um, because he wants that relationship with us. And really, ultimately... It's about the striving for the restoration of fellowship and family and a relationship with him. Mm. And these sto- these parables are just a beautiful tale of how God will never be satisfied until we are found, until, you know, even if I get lost, he'll still, still search for me. He'll hide under every nook and cranny. He'll, you know, he'll wait for us to come back. He will celebrate when we do. And eventually in heaven, hopefully, we'll, there'll be a, jo- a joyous celebration when we're all there, whether we, whatever we've done. Mm. But ultimately, that's what he seeks in us, whatever we do on this earth. As long as we receive that grace, he seeks in that in us. And I just love that. That's mm. just, it just really speaks to my heart. I thought it might be nice to just finish by reading again some of the words of the people when they found what they were looking for. As just a reminder of what you were saying, Beth, about how God feels. So from the story of the lost sheep, celebrate with me. I found my lost sheep. Count on it. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than over 99 good people in no need of rescue. And then the story of the lost coin. Celebrate with me. I found my lost coin. Count on it. That's the kind of party God's angels throw every time one lost soul turns to God. And then the end of the story of the lost son. This is a wonderful time, and we had to celebrate. This brother of yours was dead, and he's alive. He was lost, and he's found. Thanks for that, Joe. That's I think that's a really perfect way to mm. end, in that there's a celebration in God when those things happened, and what joy beholds God when the things are lost are found. Mm. Um, so thanks for listening in. Once again, guys, we hope you've had... Um, nice time listening and you've had some questions of your own you've had some time to think about what parable you love and next time we are going to be looking at Lazarus the story of Lazarus so another Sunday school classic so thanks again for listening and please be sure to rate us on Apple and give us five stars five stars Um, (laughs) don't know why I echoed give us six stars (laughs) give us all the stars um, and don't forget to share them with your friends and um, family as well, not just friends, we're not limited, limited to that. And your enemies. Yeah. Yes, yes, Joe, love that. Share it with everyone you know, share it on social media, give us some love and share with us what you think of this episode. But Share it with your bank manager. <laughs> Can you yeah, imagine? That, that's a dare. We dare you to call up your bank and say, listen okay. to At The Table. <laughs> <laughs>
If you can <laughs> prove to us that you have shared this with someone really random, the randomest person you've shared this with, you can. we will do a winner and the winner will get to be a guest on the show. What? That's risky because what if it's like <laughs> wow. future John? That's <laughs> my, my chance. It's <laughs> my chance of being on the... <laughs> People probably don't even know who future John is. Future John is what we call... John in the future when he's editing the podcast. But I always we normally cut all that out, but future John is the geeky alter ego of John <laughs> who sat in his basement in the dark editing all the With rubbish. His gaming out of the headset on. Very meticulous, very particular, is annoyed at how much how many outtakes there are of this episode. That's who John future John is. Yeah, like he's the one who has to listen to like the three hour recording. Yeah. yeah. And just keep the good bit, which is why Two thirds of it get deleted. Yeah. <laughs> so, future John, thanks for getting to the end, and you've done it. You've made it for another day. I was wondering what you were yeah, going to say. Five, future John. I thought you were going to say like we're going to buy you a holiday to the Bahamas or something. No, you like, realistic. I don't know. I just got, I was watching. I was going to be like, we'll give you three pounds in your PayPal <laughs> or something. I was, like something actually achievable. Oh. Or just a shout out that would have been free. Okay. No, I like I like the guest idea. Like yeah. that's that's high stakes. Exactly. I feel like. Yeah. We've got that's we've got to see if people are going to do it. I'd actually oh. give a fiver to anyone though that would call like Parliament or something. And as we say, <laughs> the the yeah, but no, hang on, hang on. We need to put a caveat on this. No. They need to respond. No, there they need to, to respond. respond. There needs to be a response. Because I, I could literally tweet it right now and then go, oh, I've shared yeah. Oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, there has yeah, to there be a response. There needs to be a response. Yeah. Like, thanks. <laughs> but no thanks. That would be funny. Like <laughs> Gordon Ramsay. Go on. Share it with Gordon Marcus Ramsay. Marcus Rashford. <laughs> Donald <laughs> Trump. <laughs> oh, my gosh, right. Sorry, future John, you're going to have more to cut out. I thought we were going to get to the sending. But thanks for listening. I hope you're up for the challenge. Um... And it's goodbye from Joe. Hashtag bye for now. <laughs> goodbye from John. Uh, bye. Goodbye from Lucy. I'm not coming back. <laughs> oh. oh no. This is her resignation. <laughs> and it's a goodbye from me because I'm doing the outro. So goodbye. Um, bye, Beth. Bye, everyone. Bye, John. Um, <laughs> and yeah. Bye. See you later. What a mess. mess. What a mess that was. Well done. Well done, everyone. Well done. And done.